Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello there and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, looking back at the second test from Lords, which of course England won comprehensively in actually less than three days play, given that they lost entire day the Thursday to the weather. So it was a, a, a really a kind of steamrollering performance by England. I suppose, Simon, you'd say that they, they had all the, the, the aces in their favour, the, the, the luck in their favour, because they won the toss and... Uh, obviously, the bowling conditions were perfect on the first day and the third day of the match, the second day and the fourth day, if, if they hadn't lost the first day. So when England bowled, the conditions were fantastic. And when they batted, they were probably uh, the best of the match. So it, in a way, all that kind of worked out for England. But the way they capitalised on it was utterly ruthless. That was the point Joe Root made in his post-match interviews. He, he said that, yeah, we did have the, the best of the conditions, but we absolutely made 100% use of them. You say it was in three days. It's actually in two days that England won the match. Two days of playing time, 170.3 overs. I mean, it was a woeful performance from India. The die was cast, really, on that first day of playing, the second day of the match, when they were bowled out for 170s. You're in an impossible situation when that sort of thing happens to you. Sunshine on the, the third day, which is the second day of playing. England made the most of it eventually with Wokes and Bairstow. And we said last night, there was just a sense of inevitability about it. I think one of the strange things was that Joe Root didn't declare overnight. Perfect bowling conditions at 11 o'clock this morning. It was quite warm. It was overcast. Just felt like a perfect morning for bowling. The weather forecast that we heard was dreadful. So, that, you know, there was the prospect of lots of time being taken out of the game. As it was, that didn't happen, which was a bit of a surprise. And England won so comfortably. They, they really did. And there was no point, I think, in the whole game did, did India look like a, a team that could challenge England in these conditions. Mm, in fact, it looked like uh, the, the, the sort of 
men against boys kind of situations, which we've had occasionally in the Ashes in Australia, in the era especially of, of Warner McGrath, mm. and even going further back in, against the West Indies when England were touring the West Indies with their four-pronged fast bowlers and England just didn't have a, 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 any hope at all. And actually, you look at the stats, India lasted 82 overs in their combined two innings, which is not even a day's play. And their batting averages after two tests, apart from Kohli averaging 60, the next highest is Ravi Ashram with 28 and uh, Hardik Pandya with about 23. And then all the others are under tw- averaging under 20. And, you know, what, what concerns me a little bit, actually, is that the if you look to, looking ahead to, to Trent Bridge for a moment, uh, last time India played at Trent Bridge, four years ago, 2014, they had exactly the same top five as they fielded in this game well in fact no the, 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 exactly the same same top five taking out Shikha Darwan uh, obviously he was replaced in this match by Kale Rahul but if you had the top five that I thought would originally play in the series that's that's uh, Murali Vijay Shikha Darwan Pajara at three Kohli at four Rahani at five they had that five batting in 2014 at Trent Bridge and in other tests they, I wonder if they haven't really moved on as a side in Test cricket. You know, those players were not exactly amazing in Test cricket. Uh, they obviously struggled, some of them. And they're still fielding those, essentially, those top five with the addition of Kale Rahul. So I, I sort of think, you know, in the same way as England have blooded now three 20-year-olds this summer whether India should be looking at that. I mean, I saw them play in the, the Lions match against the England Lions in Worcester, and there's three or four unbelievably talented Indian batsmen of 20 or 21 or 22 who haven't had a look-in in the test team yet. And I'm just wondering whether, really, India shouldn't just almost cast aside those players that have sort of really struggled to make an impact away from home, although, of course, they've done well at home, and, and start with a couple of new players. Well, that's the point, is they've done so well at home. And coming to this series, they've lost three of their last 33 test matches. So you can understand why they would stick with the players that have done well in other parts of the world. I mean, not in the really challenging parts of the world, which you might consider to be South Africa, Australia and England. But they've done well in subcontinental conditions. So you you can see why they, they stuck with those players. They've got someone like Rishabh Pant, who's a wicketkeeper batsman who could come in. Dinesh Kartik has been very poor in this series so far with the bat. Three failures out for naught twice. He's an option, I suppose. But you know, it, the, the problem they've got, and it's the problem that England have when they go to, to play in India, is that the, the, the extremes are just... They're so mm, great. Yeah. It, mm. It's hard to make that adjustment. And I thought what was quite interesting today and in this game, you know, someone like Ashwin, who looked actually quite well organised, and he's a player that's come over and played county cricket. He played a, some county cricket for Worcestershire last year. You just need to get used to these conditions. I think perhaps what surprised India, what surprised me a bit, in actual fact, is the, is the fact that they, you know, the, the ground have been so green, that the, the conditions have been so mm. bowler-friendly, both at Edgbaston and at Lords, because I think we were all expecting something very different with the weather we, we've been having. But I suppose it, it, it's broken just in time for England, especially the Lords and everything going in their favour at Lords. I mean, it's a, it's a difficult one. What do you do? Do you pick horses with courses? Do you, do you, do you shake mm. your team up? It's, it's possible India might have to after this series. They go to Australia next and, and play a test series down there. I was listening to Ian Chappell saying before India came here, 
you know, it, it was India's best chance to win in England, then in Australia. You know, a magnificent opportunity to do that. But that that seems to have gone now. Two down with three to play. Yeah. Hard to see them coming back. And and I, I wonder about the the heart of some of those batsmen. I mean, I know you're saying they've played well at home and probably even away in in certain situations. But I look at players like Shikhar Dhawan, and this is why I suppose. I slightly doubted their ability in this series, but for two reasons. One, players like Murali Vijay, Shikhar Darwin, even Kale Rahul, uh, Rahani, they don't strike me as guys who've got real grit and determination. I know Rahani made that 100 here four years ago in the Lord's Test, but to me, they're not players who really want to get stuck in. They're slightly fancy players who obviously have some class and some talent, but when it gets really tough... Do they really get going, if you like? I'm not convinced that, that they do. And the, the other thing to say is I, I feel a tiny bit of sympathy because particularly Jimmy Anderson is raising the bar higher and higher every time he plays in England. You know, the, the, his skill, his fingertip control, his smart uh, awareness of batsmen and conditions in England with the Duke ball is extraordinary. You know, he's now only 10 wickets away from being, or 11 wickets away from being the all-time highest wicket-taker as a fast bowler in Test history. He's 10 wickets away from Glenn McGrath, who got 563. Anderson's now on 553 wickets. And his mastery of the control is is peerless. I've never seen a bowler with with that level of control, that level of movement, that level of, of skill to be able to figure out exactly what to bowl in certain situations. So, for instance, in the first innings of this test, he did Murli Carter, he did Murli Vijay immediately with that late swinger, angling into leg stump, then darting away and taking off stump. You know, an absolute classic pitch leg hit off out swinger that Anderson probably made his name with, really, almost on a half volley length. And he's prepared now to pitch the ball much fuller, whereas I think even two years ago or even a year ago, he was just a bit reluctant to go for that full length. Then in the second innings, he realised it wasn't swinging in the first couple of overs, so he went for this more wobble sleeve approach and knit one back and down the slope and and took the wicket of of Murali Vijay the other way, caught off the inside edge. His use of the slope, his use of the Duke ball is absolutely extraordinary and I defy anybody to be able to play it. Well, England are going to miss him when he's gone and it's not going to be too far ahead in the future now. I'm pretty sure his goal is to play in the next Ashes series and then you wonder after that. But nine for 43, his figures in this test match. He wasn't even man of the match. Not even man of the Mm. match. Chris Wokes took man of the match. He also had a fine game with the ball and the bat, the century and four wickets for... 43 runs. Uh, Anderson is he, he is wonderful to watch. He, he, he is a genius. and it, Yeah, he is a genius. It, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, how he does seem... I mean, his, his figures in the last couple of years have been the, you know, the best of his career, the, 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 the strike rate. I suppose one, yeah. one thing people might say, well, you know, away in India, away in Australia, he's not taking a, a whole heap of wickets. But in English conditions, he is peerless and yeah. very hard to deal with. And in, in the conditions we've had in the last... Uh, a few days, almost unplayable. Yeah, actually, he was saying after the game, when asked, do you feel pressure when you're bowling in those situations because you're expected to take wickets? He said, well, not really. Actually, it's quite good fun. And, you know, what I remember being getting to sort of late 20s, early 30s, and myself sort of not ever being quite in control of the ball when I was in my 20, late 
when I was in my mid-twenties, but getting to late-twenties and early-thirties, you've got to know your game, you've got to know your body, you've got to know your run-up, and you are able, once you've played that amount of cricket, to drop the ball exactly where you want to. The extra ingredient he has is this ability to move the ball uh, so much, so late, in so many different ways, as well as from a, a metronomic length. And just to figure out, looking at each batsman, exactly how he's going to uh, do the three-card trick and get them into one position and then sort of knock them over afterwards. The only bowler I think I, I remember seeing who had that level of control and sort of you know, um, a way of manipulating the bowl around, the, 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 the way of manipulating the batsman around the crease was, was Richard Hadley. And he didn't have that level of movement. You know, he had the the control, he had the speed, he had the the art, but he didn't have that fingertip skill to make the ball swing both ways or bowl various other deliveries like wobble seam deliveries and things. I mean, you know, he's an extraordinary bowler who, you know, I was watching his speeds today and, and his speeds are still in the sort of 84. He's galloping into bowl at the tail enders with the same energies he would have had when he was in his early 20s. So... You know, from a sort of stamina point of view, fitness point of view, and skill point of view, I, I you know I can't see where it's going to end. He's, he he could be bowling for another five years. Well, it's got to end sometime. Your, your your body catches up with you. But he does look remarkably fit. Thirty six years of age, well, all those over. He's played cricket for England for so long, but he he just keeps on churning out those magnificent performances. I mean, he was you know he, he didn't have a fantastic Ashes, but he was England's best bowler in the Ashes, uh, and without him, they'd have struggled even more. I mean, he's, he's still got that that high class that you know gives England some hope I suppose for for next summer when the Australians come over you know, I mean if the Australians have played in those conditions in the last few days I mean you wouldn't have given them a prayer I don't think as well you know with the with the no, jukes ball moving round it would have been incredibly tough for them incredibly tough for any batting side coming to England in those conditions what did England learn though from this this test match in in, in many ways I thought it was quite an unsatisfactory game I mean brilliant for England supporters yeah, I agree. and the England yeah. team uh, India crushed I mean, fantastic first test match really tight tense game this game was a very unsatisfactory match really it, was, it reminded me of say the last test match of the last series in India were over here when they lost heavily at the Oval and there just didn't seem to be any uh, you know, not spirit or drive or, or, or tenacity about the in, about the Indian team it was almost like fixture fulfilment and it, it felt like that at Lords over the last few days a sort of sense of futility as far as India were concerned and inevitability as far as England were concerned I mean not a great advert for test cricket I suppose it never is I think when there's lots of bad weather around and and players come off for for bad light and one team crushes another I mean you you think back to to earlier in the year Afghanistan played India lost in two days India crushed them you know it it was like oh you know just that feeling of you know what's the point of this it's almost a waste of time and well you know the mirror image has has happened to India against this England side it, it, it just shows you, you can't take anything for granted India came here to win I think they really did they, they had a sense of momentum earlier in the tour that's completely gone now and it changed actually at Lords when England got to grips with that second one day international the, the, the tour has just changed round sort of ju- a huge juggernaut going down the highway just suddenly stopped in its tracks and it's being pushed back up the highway and it's, it's way <laughs> in the distance now and you know it's, it's hard to see India really making an impression I think one thing I would say is it, it, 
you know, you know the two surfaces and the grounds being very green in, in, a, mm. in a drought. Uh, I think what will be quite good to see England now take on India in, in sort of more equal conditions. It would be more mm. you know, fascinating from a neutral perspective and a, and a cricket-loving perspective just to see whether England could inflict similar damage on India in, sort of, in, in, you know, in more Indian conditions. We probably yeah. won't get them at Trent Bridge. You go to Trent Bridge and the ball swings around for Anderson. He loves playing at Trent Bridge. Broad's home ground as well. So you just wonder whether it's going to be more of the same. But... Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, well, I think what England have, have learned is one thing is that you can still create seeming conditions even in a drought. <laughs> and the irrigation systems of modern yeah. English grounds have been fantastic for, for, the, uh, for the seam bowling fraternity. But uh, I, I think that uh, one thing England do have to think about is the, the succession plan for Anderson and Broad because, yes, they were fantastic in this test match, but what are they going to do when they're not available anymore or when they're not fit? If they're both missing, obviously Chris Wokes came through well in this test match, but he's a, he's a little bit unreliable. He can be a bit plain. Well, very good at home, take not so good abroad. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, who is going to take over from those two bowlers in English conditions, never mind playing abroad? I think England really have to start looking at that and say if they win this series in the, in the third test. And I think Trentbridge might be a little bit more even because actually England, they lost at Trentbridge, of course, uh, this time last year against South Africa, got out bowled by Morley Morkel and mm. um, Vernon Philander. So, you know, it's not it's not just plain sailing, even though... The ball does swing at Trent Bridge. Sometimes it can be quite dry there and the ball can spin a little bit. So I don't think they should be taking it for granted. But if they do win that third test, then they've really got to look at how to groom one or two of these new, younger, faster bowlers, the Craig Overtons, for instance, and and one or two others. Maybe Jamie Jamie Porter should have a game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think they've got to start thinking about those players uh, to, to give them enough experience to see if they've got what it takes. Yeah, the other side of it, of course, is no bowler wants to be left out. I remember that test match at Edgbaston against the West Indies a few years back when James Anderson was rested. He, you know, he wasn't happy. Um, so that you know, there's that other side of it as well. But you're, you, but you're right. Uh, you know, that that is an issue. I think they like they quite like Porter, and I don't think it'd be too long before we do see him uh, make his test match debut. And they've they've been pretty bold this summer. They've thrown in the twenty year olds. Porter's what twenty five. We might well see. Him play, and you've got the winter to think about as well. You know, do you want to take Anderson and Broad, say, to Sri Lanka and the West Indies, or do you want to have a look at some other bowlers? And you talk about that succession plan. Do you want to rest their legs as well? And you know, when you think of what's to come next summer with with the Ashes, or do you want to do you want to keep them going? You know, if you if they sort of just stop altogether, their bodies just seize up, and you you won't get them loose again for for next summer. I'm being slightly flippant there, but you, but you know what I mean. Do you want to keep playing, or do you want to stop and rest and 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 have a look at? one or two others and of course mm. if, if you're in possession you, you know this as an ex-player if you're in possession you don't really want to give your place away because if someone comes in and does really well then mm. you know you might not you might not get back in I'm sure, I'm sure that's not the case with someone like James Anderson but you know it might, it might be with with Stuart Broad I have to say Broad was magnificent today fantastic spell once he, he changed round and bowled you know with, with the slope you know coming back into the right handers or jagging back into the right handers from the pavilion end, and he and he got Coley out at short leg. That's something Jonathan Agnew has been chuntering on about for the whole series. You get a short <laughs> leg in for Coley because it, a it pushes him back in the crease, and it, you know it's not so easy just to get right forward and, and prop forward. And they, they got him out today, caught at short leg.
I can tell you the answer to that. Uh, Gareth Batty in 2005 against Bangladesh at Lords. He didn't bowl or bat in, in the game. And, it, 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 you know, matching which a player wasn't injured either. You know, they, they, they were on the field or available the whole time. And Grant Bradburn, who's now the Scotland coach, it happened to him in a test match in, in Hamilton, New Zealand against Pakistan. It, it doesn't happen very often. It actually would be nice to see... Uh, Rashid testing get into the series and 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 see him um, you know have to bowl some overs so perhaps at, at Trent Bridge nice conditions India win the toss bat first and that you know just a bit more of a test for for England's attack in in more batsman friendly conditions I remember the last test match actually at Trent Bridge that in, India played against England it was flat and a horrible pitch and it was a boring five day draw so we don't want that I don't think but just, just something there where the batsmen are just given a little bit more I know we've been saying you know test match cricket needs other bowlers in the game but perhaps they've just been in the game a bit too much over the last two test matches uh, anyway we've got five days off now uh, in which time by the way just to let you know the new cricketer magazine is coming out the new issue for well, I suppose you'd say the summer issue is what we call it, actually. We'll be, of course, at Trent Bridge for the Saturday, the first day of that third test match. In the meantime, you can purchase the, the new issue, the Cricketer magazine. You can also subscribe to the Cricketer and get 20% off your subscription if you go to thecricketer.com forward slash podcast. And there is a form there to fill in to get a cheap subscription of the Cricketer magazine. So we'll join you again in five or six days' time, starting next Saturday at Trent Bridge. Thanks for listening and look forward to joining you then. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.